and stuff. So I may need you at any time just to be like fall asleep or or just start running around and stuff like that because it was really. I, I want to thank our church for letting me go past weekend up to Madison, Florida. Um, it didn't get above 40 degrees by night, so it was it was cold. We had snow flurries on Saturday morning, but we saw four kids come to Christ, um, and that's what we know of. And then just a bunch of others, but it was really fun to be away. But I go away for a week, and we have a whole band. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just and we have like all these like visitors and new people like here and stuff like that and everything. So maybe that is the growth plan. I don't know how I should feel about that. <laughs> send the pastor away at least once a month and we'll grow. So that's good. But every time it's so help that we told him you weren't coming back this week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. For those of you that were here on time, hey, I'm excited here. I'm actually really excited about this message um, tonight. I'm going to about. Um, I woke up at about four o'clock this morning with a raging pain in my throat, and I'm saying, "Great, how am I supposed to preach?" And so I'm on all kinds of different medication right now. So there's a really good chance I will not remember anything I say. We are recording. I have a recording. Uh, Don't worry. Not, we may not want to record. <laughs> it's too late for that. But um, it has started. But I, I, I am I'm excited about this because as we've been journeying through the Bible, and we continue journeying through the Bible, we continue to see this story unfold that spans all of Scripture. This idea that God has been pursuing us. From Genesis to Revelation, God is pursuing us. It is a bunch of books, it's a bunch of different authors, but it is still one story, one gospel that just keeps flowing through, flowing through, flowing through. And, and it's easy to just kind of sit here, and we can sit here and go, I've heard all the Bible stories, and I know all the Bible stories. I went to Sunday school and BBS, and we had flannel graphs. For those of you that don't know what those are, you'll see me afterwards, and I'll show you. It's better than video. But... <coughs> But we know this, but it starts getting overwhelmed. I think that we have this God that created everything. I mean, just literally. The, the Bible says that he spoke and there was light. Before he made the moon and the sun and the star, he said light and there was light. And so this uh, immense being, this, this God, this creator, that wants to be in a relationship with us. How on earth are we possibly supposed to relate to God? I mean, he's huge. He's, 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 he's more than we can fathom. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, if you, could, if you could describe completely who God is, what God is all about, and you can put that in your mind, and all the boundaries of what God is, and who he is, and all that stuff, then you are worshiping a God that is way too small. Because the, the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible is just beyond explanation, beyond really understanding. So how do we relate to that? How, how do we even, did I leave my flipper back there? I did, I bet I did. You did. I did. Can you bring that up? <coughs> Excuse me. I told you, I'm on medicine. Thank you. Oh, you're a good man. Somebody has to I don't care it. what your wife says. <laughs> St. Augustine says this, because God has made us for himself. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. I mean, just think about that. God made you and me to be in a relationship with him. But how do we even begin to start relating and understanding that? And how do we even begin to describe it? And I think it's very simple. God laid out exactly 
how we're supposed to relate to them. This is why we preach the Bible and only the Bible, because it is the only thing that tells us everything we need to know about God. How we're supposed to relate to Him, how He relates to us, His plan, His purpose, all this stuff. It does everything. But God made us. And until we understand that, until we find our rest in Him, as Satan invests in we're restless. And, and so, we, we look at this tonight, and we're, we're, we're going to be diving in into Exodus and the Ten Commandments and all this stuff, because God kind of lays this framework. But, but before we do that, Jesus laid it out for us. In Matthew 22, he was asked, what, what's the most important command? Out of all the commands, what, what's the most important? And Jesus says to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus takes all the command, everything, and lumps it into that one statement. And, and I love it. For the Jewish heritage, it's called the Shema. Is the, it, that's how they would like greet one another. The Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God, follow your heart, follow your soul, follow your mind, follow your soul. You know? And they, they would just like spit it out. And I think all of us have heard this at some time. But I don't think we understand the ramifications of what it does. You see, in, in the Ten Commandments, is what we're going to be looking at tonight, there are two parts. The first four deal with our relationship with God. The last six deal with our relationship with other people. And tonight I want to focus on our relationship with God and how God has laid a framework for us to relate to Him, to understand, so we set aside all the other stuff that we know. Every one of us came in this building tonight with some kind of baggage, with some kind of idea. This is God, this is how I'm, what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to act and how I'm supposed to be. And I'm going to ask you a very difficult thing. Set that aside. See, most of us have opinions of God, but they're based on what we've heard from other people. Or what we've seen from other people. And I want our authority to be God's word. And, and so tonight, I'm going to ask you just kind of lay that aside as, as we deal with our relationship with God. Because I don't believe... Any part of me believes at all that we won't get the relationships with each other right without getting the relationship with God right first and living in that framework. And so we're going we're gonna to dive into this, but, but I want you to prepare yourself. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 19. And I want to say that we've been marching through Exodus. Um, last week, um, we were going to talk about the Golden Calf. My friend Pastor Paul came and spoke and everything. Um, it's a good thing going calf and stuff because some of it has idols and stuff. And we'll talk about that later on tonight. But everything, but we, we, we're going to dive into this whole thing. The picture is that God had just moved the Israelites out of Egypt in a miraculous way. did amazing things. You know, the plagues came, the, the parting of the Red Sea, the manna, and all this provision, all this stuff God had done. And, and God said, that's what was coming up here. I'm going to give you the laws. I'm going to give you the way you're going to relate to me and relate to each other. And while Moses up there... I mean, not even weeks after they had seen the sea parted, the people forgot and turned away. And so Moses comes down, and there's this big gold cow. And Moses gets mad. God gets mad. He's like, I'm done. I'm done with these people. Moses intercedes for them. And everything. Moses says, no, God, you made a promise that let's stick with these people. We'll work through this and all this other stuff. He throws the tablets down. He gets all mad and everything. And so we go on all through that. God deals with the sin. And so he comes back, and in 19 it says, In the third month, <coughs> starting verse 1, third month on the same day of the month, the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, they entered the wilderness of Sinai, and they departed from Rephidim, they entered the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness, and Israel camped there in front of the mountain. And 
Moses went up the mountain to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Now, if you will listen to me carefully and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession out of all the peoples, although all the earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to this right. And then God jumps in and just starts laying down. So here's how you relate to me. And so again tonight, I'm going to ask you, whatever baggage you have, whatever stuff, whatever you've heard, to just set it aside. Because I think it's imperative for us to understand that there's a God that made us and wants to relate to us and wants us to relate to him. But there are parameters. There is a way that we can relate to God in a very unique way that no other creator can. And so that's what we're going to dive into. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you. I thank you for your, your love and your mercy. God, I thank you for your grace and your opportunity to come together. And God, when we think how big you are and how great you are and how possibly could you want to even hang out with us, we are amazed. We are amazed and humbled, God, that you have given us away. So, God, tonight we ask that you would open our hearts, that you would open our ears, our minds, and that you would speak. And that, God, we would, we would see from your words, your commands, how we are supposed to relate to you. And may it change us. Beyond anything that we could ever imagine. God, it doesn't matter what I say tonight. God, it matters what you say. So God, have your way. Speak to us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be diving in. And like I said, we're going to stick with just the first half of the commandments tonight. Where we're going to be talking about what does it actually look like to love God. Loving God in this. And so turn your Bibles, Exodus chapter 20. Excuse me. Sorry, verse 1. This is kind of weird. And it may be a little awkward, but I just, I just, I've been overwhelmed by the authority of God's word. Would you stand with me as I read God's word? Because how important these words really are. In Exodus 20, verse 1, it says, Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it, keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work for you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Thank you. You may be seated. 
I want to start with this whole thing with the idea that loving God starts with the, just the pure understanding that there is no other God. There are no other gods. And, and I know today that might say, well, okay, yeah, there, there's God. But there are a lot of gods in today. There are a lot of things that we make God today in our lives. And the actual idea of this, when spoken to Hebrew, is that there's no other authority in my life than God himself. There's no other thing that I look to lead or direct or to give me purpose or meaning in my life other than God himself. There is no other God. That may sound really easy. Let me let me just ask you. What things do you allow to have authority in your life? To make the decisions for you. To give you direction, to give you meaning, to give you purpose. What, what are the things that you find meaning in all that stuff in? See, we, we may not have... You know, like a Zeus or a Jupiter or Apollo or a ball or any of that stuff. Or we, we may not have stuff, but I promise you that there are so many people walking around today that have other gods. <clears throat> For a lot of us, it's ourself. We are the most important thing. And I think that, that's the question. What is the most important thing to you? See, when we, we relate to God. And God, we have to understand, that's the first thing. That's how it originally was. I mean, imagine, just try to imagine for a moment of walking around and God just showing up and saying, hey, what's up? How you doing? Let's hang out. <coughs> imagine God just taking the roof off going, hey, can I join you guys? <laughs> I'll sing bass. I, I don't know. But I mean, God just coming in to, for us, we'd be terrified and everything. But there was a moment, there was a time when there was no doubt that there was any other God. And that we can hang out with them. In fact, the Bible says he used to walk in the garden cool a day as, his, as was his practice. That it was just normal. Because there, there was no doubt. But there came a point where we said, God, I want to do it my way, not your way. And immediately other gods, little G's, started popping in. And so the very first thing we need to understand is that there's no other authority. In heaven, on earth, or anywhere other than God. And it's like I tell my atheist friends that say, I don't believe in God. I'm like, well, I don't believe in atheists. <laughs> this is, there is no other authority. I mean, this hit me today as I was reading this again. And if God for a moment stopped thinking about me, I would cease to exist. That we are the exact distance from the sun that we need to be because God placed us there. And we're tilted just the right way so that we can survive here. We have just enough oxygen and other gases. We have just enough land. We have just enough water. We have just enough. Because God is the there is no other authority. And if we don't get that, then the rest of this, our faith walk, our church life, none of it is going to make any difference or make any, make any change in us. So that's the first one, the first command, no other God. Second one, no idols. Look at verse 4 and 6. Do 
not make any idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above the earth or on the earth below or in the waters of the earth. You must, not, you must not bow down to them and worship them. For I, the Lord your God, have a jealous God, punishing the children for the fathers who sin to the third or fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commands. I love this that like, God is not saying, I, you know, I always thought, like, okay, that means those statues and stuff. And there are some, the Jews actually went that far. Like, there were no images, no paintings, no nothing, and all this stuff. Like, you can't have any kind of image or any kind of statue or any of that stuff. It's not what God is saying. The, the, the first one is, like, who we worship. The second one is how we worship. Is that Jesus made this very, very clear. In the New Testament, he says, There will become a day when you will worship me in spirit and in truth. <coughs> that God is beyond anything that we can make, any building, any idea. And that our worship has to be purely a worship, a spiritual, deep, rooted, in our very being type of worship. We, we, we don't need an image because God, it's, it's not possible to make an image of God. We we don't need um, we don't need we don't need practices and religion and all this other and other things that we kind of place in the in the line saying okay this is this I'm gonna have this I'm gonna have this God's saying no you worship me in spiritual it is a spiritual worship it is something that comes from your very being and the purest form of that is not a song we sing on a Sunday night or a Saturday night or Wednesday or wherever we meet it's not a concert we go to it's not a conference we go to it is us understanding. To the very point that God is God and we are not. And it is pure. We, we've made worship an event. We, we've made worship a song, which I never understood. That song says, I'll bring you more than a song. Then why are you singing to him right now? Because you've just made another song. About, it's, it's more than that. It is, it is a God that doesn't fit in any building. Isn't that what Paul said? As if human hands can build something to contain God. God is uncontainable. God is uncontrollable. God is beyond everything. And it is just us in our humble weakness just saying, God, you are God and I am not. From the very depths of my spirit, I worship you. And if I have nothing else on this planet but I have Jesus, I have more than I've ever deserved or need. Amen. That's, that's that. No idols. I'm not going to place anything before God. I don't need a representation. I need God. God alone. <coughs> Excuse me. As, as we go on to the third one, do not misuse God's name. Verse 7. And there's a lot of discussion about this. Verse 7, he says, Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. And this is not as a big deal to us anymore. I mean, honestly, and, and the reason why is because names aren't that important to us anymore. There was a time when your name identified everything about you. You were named a certain name. Because there was something expected from you. The, the name carried everything. You know, like, you know, Tony the Cobbler. Well, that means I was a cobbler. Or so, I mean, there weren't, like, it was just, that's where our last names come from. Usually the jobs that, like, our ancestors did. 
was something we were known for. And the idea that we just kind of sit around and just kind of joke like, oh, it's just a name, it's just a name, it's just a name. God's name is the name above every other name. It's not something just to be thrown around. And it's not just cussing, which I never, never understood. And there's no other religious figure on this planet that has ever been whose name could be considered a cuss word. Other than Jesus Christ. Think about that. We, we don't think about the names anymore. And it is the name above every name. It is a name so, so powerful, so amazing that the Jews themselves wouldn't even speak it. I mean, think about what God called himself. When Moses said, who should I say sent me? He said, I am. Not, not I will be, I was, I'm going to be, I'm kind of like, I'm this. He just said, I am. Everything, all things, I am. That is a powerful name. And for us to just kind of just go through the idea of just like flippantly. <coughs> it's, you know, it's God. It's God. It's God. Or Jesus. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what Philippians says? That at that name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That God gave him the name above all names. It is a reverence. To God, it is again saying, God, you're God, I'm not. <clears throat> Do you ever wonder why when the disciples said, Jesus teaches to pray, he said, first thing, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Because by his name, he has kept every promise and will keep every promise. By his name, he has held everything together and will hold everything. By his name, he has redeemed and paid the price for all of our sin. And by his name, he is coming back to redeem and restore everything. That is a name. And that should cause reverence. I love it. I don't know if you guys know who Bill Bright is. Bill Bright is the founder of Campus Crusade. Amazing gentleman. I have a very good friend. They got to hang out with him towards the end of his life. And he was sitting there with him. And all of a sudden, the phone started ringing. They're like, like um, Mr. Bright, Mr. Bright, it's the President of the United States calling you. <laughs> He's like, well, tell him I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> and my friend looked at him and says, my friend's a great guy. He just looked at him and says, um, Mr. Bright, I'm a nobody. You know, I mean, it's okay if you want to talk to the President. <laughs> I mean, he is the President. And he looked at my friend, his name's Brent Bro, and he looked at him and he said, Brent, it's just the president. I'm about to be the president of the, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What is a president to me? <laughs> that is a name. That you just inspire reverence and awe. <laughs> and a name that we just can't even comprehend. <laughs> and it's, it's one of the coolest things about this is that everything that God is saying, how to relate to me, is saying, I am so big you'll never understand, but it's okay. It's okay, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to hang with you anyway. I'm going, to, I'm going to stick with you anyway. And the next, <coughs> he says, remember the Sabbath. Verse 8 through 11. Well, 
the command says, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. Your son, your, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the foreigner who is within your gates. For the Lord made the heavens and earth to see and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Honor your father and your... Oh, I'm sorry. We'll be at that next week. <laughs> God set a precedent. Does anybody in this room for a moment think that God needed to take a break? That God needed just to say, wow, I'm, I'm exhausted. I mean, just all those different kinds of fish just wiped me out. <laughs> I mean, I just, I need to, I'm going to take a day off. I mean, no, God, God is infinite. He, he didn't need anybody. but he set a precedent for us. He's like, there's got to be a day where we set aside all of our labor, all of our time, and everything, and say, God, today I'm going to rest, and I'm going to better that, I'm going to rest in you. It, it doesn't say that it's a Sunday. It doesn't even say it's a Saturday. It, it says there's a day. Can I, can I tell you something? This is not my Sabbath. If we have service, when we had services on Sunday, it was not my Sabbath. I was not resting whatsoever. My Sabbath is Monday. <laughs> Where I put my phone away, I shut off my computer, I grab my Bible, I grab a good book or something I'm reading, and I just sit and I just say, God, just refresh me. Because He knows we need that. What I what I've never understood. And I've talked to so many people saying, you know, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to do this. I don't need to be any of that stuff. You know, I'm just going to... I just, I never understood why we kind of just put all that stuff off. When God says, man, I want to hang out with you. I want to refresh you. I want to restore you. I want, I want you to shut up and listen to me for a change. Just hush for a moment. I think that's what the psalmist was saying when he said, Be still and know that I'm God. The actual translation is stop striving. Is there a day where you just stop? And that God just refresh. That God just speak it to you. How can we be in a relationship like this if we don't take time to hang out? You know, I'm going to go home. My wife's going to be mad at me because I probably got her sick. That's why she's not here tonight. She's like, you got me sick. Came home this afternoon. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> but I couldn't imagine being still married to my wife if I was just so Hey, what's up? High five. See you around. And never spent any time with her. How can we be in a relationship with God if we're not taking the time to let God just speak at and God just the minister. Because I'm going to tell you, God is a better preacher than I will ever be. And if you want to know what God expects from you, man, you just open the Bible. I mean, if you're not reading God's word, then I don't know how you survive. And I don't care if you use a devotional or if you're just, you have a reading plan or whatever. You, you shouldn't need anybody to do that. There should be a time where I just like, God, I just want you to refresh me. I need a Sabbath. I just want to be refreshed by you. Because we live in a hard, broken, tough world. I love 
John Piper, one of my favorite preachers around today, he, he says this, we weren't meant to be somebody, we were meant to know somebody. Think about that. Everything God has ever done has been the point that He wants us to know Him. To be in a relationship with Him. To, to love Him. Not to put other things in front of Him because those only lead to, to trouble. Not to kill ourselves working. The worst people at this, the worst people taking the Sabbath, by the way, are, are ministers. People in ministry full time. Because we just think we got to work and work and work and work. And God's not going to be happy unless I work and work and work and work. And what happens is ministry becomes a God instead of God being God. And, and sometimes we get so wrapped up in our lives and what's going on, we just forget there's a God that already knows it all, that's in control of it all. And then whether good or bad in your life is going on, that God is still in control. Whether you're in storms, or you're, you're in the best time of your life, whether you're in blessing, or you feel like you're being cursed and just everything's going wrong, God is still in control of that. God was reminded this week, and it was so funny. It's just a simple verse. It's in Romans 8, and it's one of my favorite chapters. It says that God is for us who can be against us. <clears throat> Except I don't know that unless I'm in a relationship with Him, unless I'm spending time. And so the other day I went down and I finally got our water transferred all over. We've got the right paperwork, we've got the water transferred for this building into the church's name. The guy asked me, how's your day? And this, this has been my week. My car, right before we left for Madison, got rear-ended by a Ram truck. Ram trucks. <laughs> right before I left to do it, I took it to my the insurance guy, and he's like, well, really, it's a 50-50 chance we might be able to fix it. I, I get a call this week, and he's like, we, we got to total your car. It's going to cost more to fix it because it's so old, it's going to cost more to fix it. And so my car is totaled, and they're giving me so much money, and I'm looking at all these cars saying, I can't, I can't buy a bike for this. What the heck? <laughs> I mean, what are we going to do? And stuff. And then, then I'm hearing other things, like some struggles. And, and some family members. So I'm here, I said, and it just seems to be piling on, piling on, piling on. And so when I sat across the desk from this gentleman, just to sign a piece of paper to give us one more bill for the church, he's like, how's your day going? <laughs> and I could have just easily said, well, let me tell you. And I went, this and this and this. And all I could come out of my mouth is, well, God's for me, so it's a good day. <laughs> And he literally stopped and stared at me for 30 seconds. What do you mean by that? God's for me. What else? Could be, there's nothing that could happen to me. The only way I know that is because God is in a relationship with me. I'm in a relationship with him, and he's given me parameters that if I just love him with all my heart, if I make him number one, if I get rid of everything else, it could be a distraction if I understand the power and the promise in his name, if I understand that God wants to fill me and I need to take time and break away and to say, God, just, just refresh me and speak to me. Just, just do that. And if I do that, then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter if I am with somebody. It's because I know somebody. Amen. 
It's because I know a God that is bigger than every problem, everything I can ever face, and there's nothing this world can do to me. I can change that. I'm in a relationship with a God that said light, and there was light. That I don't ever have to impress because I never can impress him. And that my God is for me. So what on earth can the world do to me? You know, the good news about the Ten Commandments, we know why the Ten Commandments. Next week we're going to do the second half. And how we relate to one another. And if you're like me, I struggle. I mean, when I was a youth pastor, and this is, I used to tell students, take families. And I made them a deal. I said, the next week, keep, just keep all ten. Don't break one of them. Don't, this is God's standard for us. Our, this is perfection. This is how we were created. Don't break one of them. And it never failed in all the years that I did that, that before the night was over, some kid came up and says, yeah, I've already blown one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is an impossible standard. But the really good news tonight, the really, really good news tonight is this. Romans 8, 3. What the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh. Like ours, under sin's domain. And as a sin offering. And even when I don't make God first, I'm still first for even when I mess up and I, I get an idol or I don't or, or I misuse God's name or I do that Jesus came and took care of it all Jesus did what I couldn't do he kept perfect the commands he related perfectly to God and he became the perfect sacrifice for us guys that's good news that through him and I can relate to God all day long. That I am welcome in the throne of the creator of the universe. And I can love him because he loved me first. He said, God's laid it out how we can relate to him. And if you're sitting here tonight saying, Man, I, there's no way I can do that. You're absolutely right. That's why the Bible says we are saved by grace, not by works, unless any man boasts that is a gift of God. That he became sin so that we could become righteousness of God. And so we can have that relationship. We, we can have that. And even if we lost it, we can come back to it. Because really, I think that's what we're looking for. I, I really believe that's what people are looking for. That's something beyond themselves. And so tonight, listen, I'm gonna, we're, we're going to pray. And we're, we're going to give you a chance to respond. And, and whatever that looks like for you, that's that's what it can be. I'll be standing kind of over here. If you need somebody to pray with, I'll pray with you. You can pray for yourself right where you're at. You know, we, we put out we put out communion. And we do it corporately, but we also put it out on Saturday nights for an opportunity. Like, maybe you just need to remember what Christ did. Um, we don't pass an offering plate. We, we believe tithes and offerings are part of worship. And I don't want anybody to give money to this church because they feel obligated. I want them to give because God has laid down my heart to give. And so we have offering, an offering box back there you can do it. Whatever God is calling you to respond, maybe it's just to sit there as the band plays and just, and just think about, God, am I loving you? 
am, am I being obedient to that? Is my relation right with you? Because I'm telling you, if we get that right, all the other relationships will work out. Everything else will work out. God is in control of all the rest. But we've got to start there. So wherever you're at tonight, I just, just respond that God speak to you. Maybe standing up in worship. Maybe just sitting there and letting God just speak into your heart that still quiet voice that says, I love you. I made you. You're amazing. Whatever it is, let God speak. Let him have his way. Let's pray. God, I